This is a podcast from The Bugle. Smoke belches from the coal-fired stacks of the horrible Victorian factory. Children clamber among the deadly cogs, faces smeared with soot, their little hands able to reach into small crannies. At last the bell rings and they shuffle wearily back to lodgings for their grey serving of thin gruel. It does little to sustain their stunted bodies. One small boy, plump cheeks hollowed out by hunger, angelic and ambitious, returns to the line when he has finished his meagre slop. Please, sir, he says, stretching forward his tin plate. Please, sir, can I have the gargle? This is the gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugles, audio newspaper for Visual World. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Laura Davis. Hello. And Sammy Shah. Hey, hey, hey. It's an all-Perth special uh, guest. It is indeed, although no one's in Perth, right? I'm in Perth. Allura, are you in Perth? You can hear it in my voice, I'm in Perth. It's the bushfire smoke I'm currently choking on. That's right. I was wondering why that sense of defeat and despair was there. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Laura is currently lit by the eerie red glow of uh, burn-off in the distance. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's a controlled burn. We're in no danger. Before we put on our vulcanised rubber swimming caps and dive together into the cooling waters that is this week's stories, let's have a quick look at the front cover. The front cover this week is Hurricane Ian posing provocatively surrounded by insurance agencies preparing to explain how the phrase act of God also applies when you're an atheist. Uh, Has everyone been following the approach of Hurricane Ian? Yeah, the footage has been amazing. There's an actual shark in the streets. Like, there's always a meme or, like, a photoshopped shark in the streets, but there's this time there's an actual shark roaming around the streets of Florida, which is probably the sanest thing that's ever roamed around the streets of Florida. <laughs> yeah, it feels like shark in the streets is the symbol, you know. That's the biblical yeah. symbol of the end of days. Yeah, they did a whole movie about that shit, right? Sharknado. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And of course, you have to remember shark in the streets, but dolphin in the sheets is, is how everyone's always described me. No, so, no, no, no. You know, Actually, yeah. sharks no, ask for nobody. consent. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Wait, I was struck by myself here. <laughs> Dolphins do not. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I wonder if that's the turning point. I wonder, I wonder when you're trying to convince people to care about climate change, if sharks in the street would work. Is that enough? What's enough? Yeah, I want to see somebody go, well, actually, there could be other reasons for sharks in the streets. Not man-made climate change. Actually, it's just a phase. It's just a natural part of the natural cycle. Occasionally, every couple of hundred years, you end up with street sharks. That's just how the world works. I mean, I have warned about this for a very long time. And that, you know, (laughs) we we are not safe from sharks. And, And people always mocked me. And now here we go. Yeah. The satirical cartoon this week is about the Labour Party conference in the UK right now. It's just a Statler talking to a Waldorf meme saying, why do they call it the Labour conference and not the agenda reveal party? (laughs) Passing news, alleged company MSCHF has launched a campaign called Key for All, where they've been selling thousands of keys to the same car for $19 each. The game is you then call a number to find out where the car is and then you can hunt it down and you're allowed to drive it if you have the key. I call it instalment one of a post-apocalyptic energy crisis Thunderdome. A thousand keys enter, one car leaves. I also estimate it'll take about three days before someone bangs in the car and leaves a used condom in the footwell. They frequently ask questions section on the website. I just have to use this story because it's so it's a real it's not even a real story, it's just a website that launched. I didn't notice it as a news story, I noticed it as a product, is what I'm saying. Uh, their frequently asked questions segment on the on the website includes the phrase key for all has been engineered to be Grand Theft Auto Tragedy of the Commons. That's actually what they want. 
for this project. I hope it stands them in good stead in court when somebody's inevitably hauled up for car-based battery assault, which I should note is different, though not exclusive of car battery-based assault. Runs over a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the shark has a key. Yeah, there must be someone doing like a GTA skin where now you can be a shark on the streets and, and and make Grand Theft Auto more realistic as opposed to less realistic. Let's have a look at our top story for this week. Our top story this week is the news that we have smashed into the moon, or not the moon, a moon, should I say? We did a historic space smash. Uh, Laura, you look at the moons sometimes. Can you unpack this story for us? I am very worried (laughs) about this uh, because NASA has uh, done a test to smash up a moon to see if we're good at smashing moons. Uh, so if we ever had to really smash a moon, it would we'd know how to do it. Uh, but now I'm worried that the moon has other friends and even bigger moons now. Like, what if that was another alien culture's favorite moon? Yeah. What What if we've just started a moon war? I don't know if we should just go up there smashing stuff. I don't think it should be the first thing we do. <laughs> you know, we went up there, we stole some rocks, and then we smashed a moon. Was it causing us any trouble? No, we just wanted to know if we could smash a moon if we ever needed uh, to smash a moon. Here's the weird part about the story, though. is So the, NASA did this thing where they basically smashed a satellite into into this meteorite, right? And the idea is, asteroid, right, rather. The idea is to see whether or not they can deflect it. But they haven't told us whether they had any effect on it. We know they smashed a satellite into it. But then what? Like, did it move? Did it alter the path? Or did we just waste a satellite like there's no for every, it's just a whole bunch a bunch of nasa scientists high-fiving without telling us whether or not the high-fiving is because they smashed it or because the asteroid shifted a few inches either way yeah so the, the asteroid is called uh dimorphous it's uh, orbiting a larger asteroid named didymus which makes the asteroid we smashed into a, a moon and us into possibly the Death Star. I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) Uh, This is the thing. It was a fuzzy blob on telescopes. They managed to do this incredible feat of engineering to aim this rocket at at the moon to make it explode, and yet we hadn't seen it until an hour before impact. Um, We were were completely incapable of actually seeing what we had planned to smash into until an hour before we were going to smash into it with no possibility of steering away. There could have been a children's school on there, like an alien children, like the Dimorphians, the um, you know, who all obviously suffer from uh, body dimorphous, um, <laughs> would would all be sorry. I, it was right there. I had to. The, my favorite part of the story, by the way, is the fact that one of the NASA scientists, when describing this, goes, "Look, we want a better chance than the dinosaurs had 65 million years ago." And this is an actual <laughs> quote now from the scientist. This is a NASA scientist who says. All the dinosaurs could do is look up and go, oh, asteroid. I don't think they said that. I wasn't there, but I'm going to guess that the more accurate quote would have been, or something along the, I don't know what dinosaurs sound like. Maybe they're more like birds and it would be, but I don't think, oh, asteroid would have been what any of the T-Rexes were muttering at the time. But it only hit one place. The asteroid only hit one bit of the planet yeah true. and it was the cloud that killed like most of the other dinosaurs were like oh cloud <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just all look over at once i'm just uh, really sad that we've uh, at last lost bruce willis was he the one who smashed into the moon 
No. So uh, he uh, took a group of miners, like not children, like people who do mining, onto an asteroid. And then they put a bomb inside the asteroid. Uh, the one where they smashed something into the moon, into the asteroid, was um, Deep Impact with uh, Morgan Freeman. And I don't know why I know this. Who ended up sacrificing themselves for the sake of the mission? Oh, Bruce Willis, of course. I mean, yeah, you, you have to cry. Yeah, I, I, Bruce Willis and Aerosmith, because they did the soundtrack for that one and their reputation <laughs> never recovered, I don't think. I don't want to miss a thing. That was actually the lyrics. I don't want to miss a thing where they're aiming at an asteroid. Sorry, I mean, that's pretty beautiful. Uh, <laughs> if a little bit on the nose, that's all the time we have for our Asteroid Smash News. Because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now, because you can't be what you can't buy. Uh, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gelato Salespeople, the only people who are constantly trying to give you more stuff for less money. You say, I would like a small cone with one scoop of pistachio, please. They say, you can get two flavors with a small cone. I say, no, thanks. I just want the one scoop of pistachio. They say, it's the same price for two flavors. I say, yes, lovely. Thank you. I just want the one scoop. They go, okay, one flavor, two scoops. That's a little skit called some gelato that I just had. And a new novel is out by self-published romance maven and online bestseller, Dancy Lagarde. The Grapefruit of Lust is the 16th in Lagarde's Fruity Passions series of historical romance novels with a supernatural twist. Set in the cobbled streets of medieval Italy, The Grapefruit of Lust is a tender yet rollicking romp through murder, mystery, mayhem, passion and boobs, not necessarily in that order. Blending historical realism with awkward anachronism, The Grapefruit of Lust tracks the coming of age of the era of Italy via the coming of age of the young Fiorina, the daughter of a rising merchant family off the Ponte Vecchio. Hugely sheltered by her family in the lap of luxury, her virginity and privacy lovingly protected, she is nonetheless extremely sassy and egalitarian. Piero is a bargeman with a dark past. Passionately Italian, he transports art and secrets between the corrupt priesthood and the merchant dukes of the Italian city-states. When he is captured and beaten by outlaws, it is Fiorina who rescues him and is drawn into a deep web of intrigue, romance, and surprisingly enlightened cunnilingus. Together they must uncover the evil pope defang the brutal duke and negotiate a marriage treaty between two warring houses while also having sex. The Grapefruit of Lust, available now uh, on all gondolas. Defang the brutal duke is one of those things which when you're writing reads amazingly and then when you're saying it out loud, you're like, why did I write the sentence this way? <laughs> it's a new tongue twister, brutal duke. Brutal yeah, duke. yeah, yeah. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Half a Glass of Water. Try one today. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
that's all the time we have for our ad section because now it's time for environment news. This is following up a story that we touched on in February, the news that the Californian Supreme Court has now finally confirmed the finding of a previous court that bumblebees are fish. Sammy Shah, you're a lawyer. Can you unpack this story for us? Um, this is basically what the conservatives have been warning us about, is if we let people identify how they want to with their genders, one day it'll be bumblebees identifying as fish and its political correctness gone mad. But uh, basically what's happened is uh, they, they, they needed to classify bumblebees as an endangered species um, and then realized that they had absolutely no way of doing so because in the entire list of things that qualify as being endangered species in California, which is birds, amphibians, reptiles, mammals, or fish, insects did not cover it. No one gives a shit about insects. No one cared about insects. Insects can go f*** themselves. And then they realize, no, wait, actually, this they actually are, so we need to save them now. And so instead of just expanding the list, they, they have now grandfathered in bumblebees into the fish territory. And the idea, the logic behind this is, is that fish are invertebrate, and bumblebees are invertebrate, which I didn't know. I always assumed bumblebees had a spine, like a little tiny spine, but it, it turns out they don't. And now they are also fish for the purposes of keeping them safe, which is very confusing. If you're a bumblebee, you're happy about being safe, but offended about the fact that you're now a f***ing fish. Laura, you're our bumblebee expert. Can you uh, tell us <laughs> you a little are. bit more about this story? I don't know why they can't expand the classification for... Like, I don't. I don't know why insects wouldn't make the list in the first place i feel like we should just go all out at this point and just keep going like <laughs> then make everything a fish <laughs> make me a fish yeah. make dolphins a fish most people already think they are let's just keep going let's return to the oceans uh, from which we crawled out of some reverse evolution it's all under the california's fish and game code uh, which, when I first read this, I assumed meant that they either had to classify as fish or game, uh, which means you could go on a bumblebee hunt. But actually, the, the wording is a little bit more elaborate than that. Uh, it, it is a, a, aquatic invertebrates that are covered by this act and that, that we need to protect. Are you a fan of bumblebees, Laura? I love a bumblebee. I'd never seen one until I went to New Zealand and then... Uh, we don't have them so much in Western Australia because they're too delicate and they're too plumpy and they're too <laughs> moist and we are a hard, dry climate. So they need a cooler place because they're too chubby to be here. <laughs> we got lean bees uh, and I well, saw something and it had like this low resonant sort of... Uh, what is that? It was the biggest bee I'd ever f***ing seen. And I was like, that is a mega bumble. And it was so much fun. And I was like, oh, they call them bumblebees because they've got no idea what they're doing. They're too heavy. <laughs> they just sort of fluff around. And then they sleep by themselves. They crawl into like a little nook and they go to bed by themselves. They're solitary. They hang out all alone, just like under a, under a bit of bark. Have a little nap. When you saw that bumblebee, Laura, did you think that's a fishy looking bumblebee? Yeah, I was like, yeah, mm, yeah. and I could smell the ocean. Sorry. If you hold a bumblebee up to your ear, you can hear the ocean. <laughs> if the sharks are loud in the streets, the bumblebees are allowed in the ocean. Here's a question, though. Does, it, does a, a fish actually lose fish status for the bumblebee to make the list? Like, is, it there, a, is there a criteria? Like, uh, it's just only a certain amount that there's allowed, and now the tuna are like, 
you now we can't be endangered anymore because the bees are taking our jobs. Yeah, now trout count as cows. Right? <laughs> this, the roll-on effects of this just end with all of us somehow becoming vegetables. There's a species of cow that's now identified as a tapir. There's a tapir that's now in a year three school class. I think I've seen that. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> but uphill? <laughs> slippery uphill slope. Yeah. We're all just grinding our way up. Yeah. Now it's time for your reviews section. Reviews section now. Uh, as you know, each week we bring in our guest editors with something to review out of five stars. Sammy Shah, start us off. What have you brought in for us? Uh, serial killers. Uh, it turns out that serial killers are grossly underrated uh, or have been uh, for a very long time and are finally getting their day because it, you're more likely now to get a Netflix special as a serial killer than you are as a comedian or as a chef or really anyone. You're, you have suddenly a sex symbol status if you're a serial killer. Um, you probably get royalties for all the serial killing you've done. I mean, at the very least, there's going to be a dozen podcasts about you and then the Netflix Netflix special that you get and 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 it's got to the point now where serial killers really are having the day in the sun it's it's we always for so long thought you know oh, anyone can kill lots of people in creative ways what's the big deal with that it turns out it is a lot harder than you think it is because we're clearly venerating them so much in society so you know what for too long the neglect and the abandon that serial killers have been treated with is no longer going to be tolerated now if there's a serial killer in your life let them know that this is their moment to shine to start turning spines into wings and and putting bumblebees in people's throats or whatever serial killers do these days to kind of break through the mold you got to be the different who you know you got to be like the 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 mold breaking serial killer so i'm i'm giving serial killers a solid 5 out of 5 stars these days because i really at this point might as well become one it's the only boost my career could get laura uh, I'm reviewing a uh, enormous pile of miniature chairs that are supposed to be stacked up in some sort of game. Uh, I'm giving it one star. <laughs> it's terrible. It's noisy. Uh, picture about 60 small miniature plastic chairs about the size <laughs> of your thumb, uh, various colors, and you're supposed to somehow stack them up into some sort of delicately balancing mega tower uh one star <laughs> terrible game Go, goes forever because you actually can't play it and so you can't win because it doesn't start because it's too hard to play because apparently i'm terrible at stacking up miniature small plastic chairs i mean it's also probably flashbacks to your time working at the convention center right yeah and it's very hard to explain to people or ask people if they want to play <laughs> Where did you find this? Uh, it's, it's in my mum's. Uh, it's in my mum's house. It's in her. It's in her office. I presume uh, she also thought it would be fun at some stage. <laughs> I used to work in a convention centre where my job was to uh, stack and remove chairs uh, or put them out, depending on the day or the time of the day. And uh, you could be putting out up to uh, three, four, five thousand chairs, all exactly spaced. Uh, with a little chair trolley, a big pile of chairs, <laughs> lay them all out, you know, one meter apart, one meter behind. So all your chair stacking expertise has not made you better at this game? It's not transferable. No, because I was stacking big chairs and I wasn't stacking small miniature plastic ones. Uh... These are flimsy. I need the big guns. That's all the time we have for our reviews section now, because now it's time for your surprise ukulele news. This is the news that Guitar Center, which is uh, an instrument shop 
has surprised Southwest Airlines, a low-budget airline, um, with free ukulele lessons during a flight from Long Beach to Honolulu. Now, I can imagine nothing worse on a low uh, a low cost airline than to be forced to learn the ukulele. Uh, but maybe Sammy, you can imagine something better. <laughs> well, the only way this could have, this flight could have gotten worse if, is if they also then hit turbulence and everyone was bludgeoned <laughs> in the head by a flying ukulele. But uh, but yeah, they just they got on a plane. I don't I don't know if this is here. I'm conflicted. I'll be very honest because a part of me thinks this is ridiculous. I don't want to learn a ukulele. When I get on a plane, I want to put on my headphones. I want to take a nap or I want to watch something that makes me cry. That's my two preferred ways of flying. But if if someone gets on and offers everyone on the plane a cello and then a cellist gets on and says I will now teach you how to play the cello and when the end of the long distance flight you can now play the cello and start performing in the Melbourne Philharmonic Orchestra that's pretty cool I think I'd be down with that I think it's the choice of instrument that I have problems with here Yes, that's important that your fantasy scenario involves a real instrument and not uh, not this kind not of thing. Not a leg room for a cello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, doesn't everyone fly first class like I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, the ukulele is a perfect instrument for economy class. Uh, but I just think this is the kind of gift that you should have asked beforehand if people mm-hmm. wanted it. I think it's a kind of an opt-in option. Uh, possibly electric ukuleles with head headphones on, because what if you don't like the sound of the ukulele or don't like the sound of people who can't play the ukulele playing the ukulele? Uh, Laura? <laughs> what if you just broke up with an improviser and <laughs> terrible memories <laughs> in some sort of forgetting Sarah Marshall situation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, look, I just did a 42-hour trip from London to Perth with the multiple stops uh, it was very unpleasant I can't think of anything that would have made it uh, uh, more unpleasant except for failing at trying to do something whilst it was <laughs> happening yeah imagine if someone had given you that chair stacking game at the beginning of the flight <laughs> most people who can play a ukulele have gone and gone and done that for themselves a lot of people have looked at at a ukulele and gone hmm not for me. And we've made our choices and we've moved on with our lives. It's not because nobody strapped me in a tube with one for the requisite amount of time. <laughs> well, what is the percentage of people who've always wanted to learn the ukulele a bit but haven't gotten around to it? They're quite accessible. Do you get to keep the ukulele also after yes. the flight is done? No, you put it in the in-flight pocket with the remote and the headphones. <laughs> well, because all I'm thinking is normally if you're landing in any other part of the world, you'd be like, all right, great, I got a ukulele. I don't want this. This is a burden. I'm just going to gift it to someone. But they're landing in Hawaii where I, I assume everyone already has a ukulele as well. Yeah, talk about taking calls to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. You're just stuck with a ukulele for your entire life or you put it in the ocean. And ukuleles get classified as fish, I guess. I don't know. I assume they've got them on sort of the pillows, like a like a chocolate in the hotel. <laughs> you just go on this trip to Hawaii, and everything is a surprise ukulele. You stick your feet in under the sheets, or in the top drawer, like a Bible. <laughs> Sports news now. Uh, this is the news that Federer, famous Federer, has given up tennis for good. No more love. Or all love. I don't know how tennis works, but he's he's lost his last tennis match. He's uh, said goodbye to the sport that he's dominated for so many years. Uh, everyone's talking about how human he was because Rafael Nadal cried about it. 
uh, which I don't think tells us how human Federer is, a man who was once gifted a cow uh, by his village in Switzerland for winning some tennis. Uh, Laura, I know how much you love tennis. Can you unpack this story a bit for us? I had not heard of this man. I read this. I wish him well. Uh, look, it sounds like he got really good at tennis. He's proved he's very good at tennis. Now he needs to go and prove, unless he's going to start giving tennis lessons mandatory on a flight, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> uh, Sammy, are you a sports watcher? I'm not at all, but I did appreciate in this time of, you know, Andrew Tate and all of the toxic masculinity that we're kind of hearing about and everything online and young people's influence, like the influencers on social media are all these toxic masculinity experts. I kind of like the fact that these two men who, who play tennis and, and are probably the peak physical health and, and just role models for everyone wept. And not because they, you know, Oh, the only reason for crying was they don't get to play against each other anymore. And, and that sense of competition has meant a lot to them. Go have lunch. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like you don't have to give up each other forever now. You have each other's phone numbers, I assume. Well, now the stakes are too high. They've cried. You can't, like, after this, you can't have a salad together because everyone take pictures and go, what the f*** are you crying about then? So, yeah, no, now they have to walk away and never look each other in the eye ever again just for the sake of the crying. Yeah, I think that's how crying works, right? Yeah. When I selected this story, I thought I'm what I can do is a kind of a retrospective of Roger Federer's career, look at the like, scandals, the things that he's done wrong. And uh, I, I Googled um, Roger Federer scandals and I found Swiss Review, the magazine for the Swiss abroad, July 2018, Roger Federer, colon, Swiss Jesus, question mark. <laughs> also the listing for when he won GQ's. Jesus did have holes in him. <laughs> GQ's most stylish man of 2016. Uh, and also the fact that Nike once sent him onto the court in tennis whites and a buttermilk colored blazer in 2006, uh, which he was reminiscing about for E! Online. And this is the quote. Yeah, we went a bit crazy at Wimbledon. I did feel a bit funny in the locker room with other players looking at me and going, what is he thinking? But it brought some glam to tennis and some style and something to talk about other than just forehands and backhands. I'm really glad that I did that and that I took chances like that during my career. <laughs> now I want to cry. <laughs> I am far more interested in this blazer. <laughs> so risky. But he remembers that from 2006 as like one of the more risky moves he made in his career. Uh, fills me with delight. And I think that's all the time we have for today's episode of the podcast. I'm flipping through the ads at the back. Laura, have you got anything to plug? Uh, I just have my album for sale on my website. Same as always at the moment. Just a nice, peaceful uh, audio album of my uh, 2019 solo show. It's a very good show. I have not it's, only bought yep. it, but I've also bought it for friends. So you can do that. Same here. I absolutely love the album. Yeah, it was called Better Dead Than a Coward. <laughs> yes, it was called Better Dead Than a Coward. Now it's called The Bus Show, because Better Dead Than a Coward sounds like an anti-vaxxer slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, what have you got to plug? Can I plug two things? Just, I'll be very yes. quick. Uh, one is my podcast, News Weekly. That's W-E-A-K-L-Y. A terrible pun, and I apologize, but it's a news satire podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the big stories of the week, and uh, it's only 15 minutes. It's the only 15-minute 
podcast that can, is is extremely vulgar, uh, and that comes out every Saturday morning, uh, so you can get that where podcasts are. And I did a, I wrote a, a, a and directed a, a multicast, full cast production. It's a crime noir series on Audible. It's called The Mist. That's M I S S E D, and it is basically a crime noir story set in a country town in Western Australia. It's got m- great reviews, um, and the whole thing is available on audible.com.au slash the mist, M I S S E D. And if you found anything out about Sammy, it's that he likes spelling words out loud on podcasts. Yeah, well, because of, I'm an idiot. I'm not good at coming up with <laughs> names for things that are going to be audio based, right? So I come up with a, a literary pun for an audio podcast, and then I come up with the name Mist, and everyone goes M I S T. And I'm like, no, that's a Stephen King novel. Like, it's not that. So, yes. Or M Y S T. Uh, game in the 90s. Oh, and that's a great game. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I wish I'd written that. I'd be much rich, richer right now and I would have a cello on my first class flight. <laughs> I'm your host, Alice Fraser. You can find me online at, at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E on Twitter and Instagram or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. That's a one-stop shop for my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs, including my new stand-up special, Kronos, which will be there in a couple of weeks. So subscribe there. We also have a weekly Tea with Alice Salon and a weekly writers meeting. Thanks to Robert Silito, our roving reporter for the week, who found our bumblebees, fish story, and our ukuleles on the air story. If you'd like to be a Gargles correspondent, tweet us at Hello Gargles. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions, and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.